Hey up, my name's Ben, and this is the 2021 Advent Calendar by the Wow 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 Files. In this special series, I'll be here with a mini episode every day in the run-up to Christmas, talking about something synonymous with Stoke City. Thankfully, I'm not alone, as I've drafted in one of the greatest Stoke City experts out there to guide us to Advent. He's the Stanley Matthews to my title charge. (laughs) (laughs) Martin Cook. Uh, A week till Christmas, as I pointed out off air just then. I mean, it's not what it is. Have you done your Christmas shopping yet? I remember you saying on Twitter after one of the first episodes, you said you hadn't done your Christmas shopping yet. So let me ask two questions. One, as we're recording, have you done your Christmas shopping? No. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> we're, we're recording for day 18. Will you have your Christmas shopping done by this point? Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope so. I didn't if know I if you were a Christmas either. No, I, I, I've done it a few times on Christmas Eve. Not a good idea. But just for stress and anxiety, it's just oh, too much. it's not good. I'm, I'm normally quite organised with mine. I don't buy very many presents for very many people, in fairness. I, I only get for the special ones. Well, I, I, I've i got a friend who he buys all the way through the year. So if he mm. sees a present in March, he'll buy it and put it to one side. Good. So when he gets to December, he's sorted. Yeah. And I, I promise myself every year I'm going to be more like that. I'm no. going to be more organised and it never, never happens. happens. Never happens because you haven't got the money or the foresight at the time, have you? That's the thing. My <laughs> mum's got a present covered, so she's halfway there. If she needs a present for something, she'll just pick something out of the present cupboard. Oh, I love, I love that idea. Yeah. My dad, I remember, back in the days where like he would buy like, like for my mum on behalf of us, if that makes sense, realised that he hadn't done it that year so I remember waiting outside Pandora on Christmas Eve that was an absolute nightmare <laughs> even in Stoke Pandora was if you think of the shopping centre like the queue is behind where the lift is I'm rambling this is not what this is for we've only got a certain amount of time doing this I'll <laughs> stop um, we're talking about something good today day 18 a week to Christmas so everyone's getting excited anyway I suppose I don't know what I'm doing today. I, I need to stop talking about my personal life. Day 18, the European nights. And compared to some teams, Stoke won't have had very many European nights. But then, you know what? Some teams won't have had any European nights. I think the majority of Stoke fans will certainly remember one campaign, and that's one we'll go into detail today. But before we do that, there's actually two prior that are definitely worth talking about. The first one was the 1972-73 UEFA Cup. And we qualified because of something we talked about in a previous episode, winning the League Cup. Yeah, so we we won the League Cup the year before. So that qualified us for the UEFA Cup, what's now UEFA Cup eventually, essentially. And slightly different format to where it is now. So back then European competitions went straight to a knockout round, basically. There's no group stages or anything like that. You drew someone, you played two legs. If you lost, you were out, you were done, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we we actually played in Europe for two seasons. Didn't get very far in either of the two early ones. Um, so in the 72-73, we drew Kaiserslautern, so quite a prestigious German club at the time. We won the first leg 3-1. So Terry Conroy scored, Jeff Hurst scored, John Ritchie scored as well. But then we went to the away leg and we lost 4-0. Typical Stoke. 
Yeah, so that was the end of that, that chapter. Wow. Then a couple of years later, we finished fifth in the league, which qualified us again for the UEFA Cup at the time. And we drew Ajax, so this is 1974-75 season. Um, so Ajax, one of the best teams in Europe at the time. Um, so I don't think Johan Cruyff played against us, but this was that period where Johan Cruyff was starting to emerge. And that just says everything, doesn't it, about the team that we drew at this early stage? Yeah, absolutely. And that was sort of the, the nature of European competitions at that time. You could just draw anybody. There's no seeded draws or anything like that. It was like no names out of a hat and you got who you got, basically. So we had this, this amazing tie and we drew 1-1 with a home leg, um, which was a really good result. And then we went across to Holland and we drew 0-0 in the second leg, again, which is a really, really positive result. Mm-hmm. But this was when away goals had been introduced mm-hmm. and we'd been knocked out. But two, two amazing occasions, essentially. And... I don't think many Stoke fans really expected us, certainly into the 90s and early 2000s, ever expected us to experience those occasions again. No, no, definitely not. I think it's worth touching on those early occasions, despite the runs being ever so short. You know, one came off the back of the only thing we've ever won ever. Yes, it was a disappointing way to to go out of this cup too. I'm not sure how Kaiser Schlauten were at the time, um, to lose 4-0 away from home is 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 a bit sad after being 3-1 up. But then Ajax making a good account of ourselves. Two draws against one of the best teams in the world. I assume you mentioned about Johan Cruyff. I assume that he was rotated out of this competition, especially considering they played us. So they probably played a weakened team anyway. But yeah, to come out with two draws and get knocked out on away goals, which again, it's just typical. Not bad, not bad. And you're right. Like a lot of fans probably would have done, would have thought, you know what, we've had our time, or I missed out on the European days. You know, football's becoming so much more of a close shot, especially now the Premier League's come in with all, all of their money. And then, lo and behold, as we've talked about previously, we beat Bolton 5 0 in the FA Cup semi final. And that was pivotal because we made an FA Cup final. And the way the league fell that season with Man City winning the league and the Cup that extra space for the Europa League opened up and we qualified for the following season. Yeah. Was was that the year, um, maybe you can forget me, was that the year when we had the Aguero moment? Was that that season? No, actually, I think I've messed up there. So I think Man City were in a Champions League place. I think Aguero was the season after because we are basically responsible for Man City being good. Because I think that, that, that the FA Cup was the first thing that they won in their recent era. And then the season after, I'm pretty sure, is because they qualified for the Champions League that they were able to sign players like Aguero. And, and because, of course, they qualified for the Champions League, the Europa League place opened up for us as FA Cup finalists. So, bittersweet, I guess, in the end. It would have been nice to have won the Cup, of course, but this is not a bad consolation prize. No, not at all. And we, we had a terrific run as, run as well of results. Yeah. You know, so the first two games against Split and, and Fun, I don't know if, you know if I pronounced that right, I probably haven't. <laughs> um, not particularly challenging ties, no. but it's, it sort of showcased what European football was all about. You know, I, I didn't go to the away matches, but I went to the home matches. Um, I have friends who went to Split, for example, and they spoke, spoke about the 
you know, the pyrotechnics and the flares and what an amazing atmosphere it was. I remember and the, some of the home matches with your away fans and the amount of noise they made. They brought something completely different that wasn't English football. Um, and it was so enjoyable to be part of. And obviously we had a really successful group stage as well. Which which I'm amazed at considering the teams that were in there. I mean, if we quickly go back to qualifying, like, yes, Split and Toon weren't exactly, you know, team, teams to be excited by in itself. But the fact that we were in the Europa League at all was great. Like we both said, we didn't expect Stoke to be there in our lifetime and here they were. And then to get through the qualifying rounds, We've seen what happened twice before with Stoke getting knocked out at the first time of asking. And then so many teams these days, especially those in the Premier League that qualify through other means, whether it be lower league place finishes or qualifying through cup means, they get knocked out straight away. Loads of teams have done that. So to get through to the group stage was was a great thing. And then Dynamo Kiev, really big team. Besiktas especially. Turkish champions a lot. A lot of times, Maccabi Tel Aviv, maybe Leicester at home about, but it was just great to have that experience. And then getting through those qualifying games to have a guaranteed six games in Europe, three of them away, was just fab. Yeah, and, and the experiences of that must have been amazing for supporters who had the opportunity to go across. Mm-hmm. But the results, the results were fantastic as well. You know, I. I was looking at this other day, so we won three, drew two, and lost one of our group stage games, which is, when you think about it, it, it's some going, to be honest. I don't know how we didn't top the group. That's a good question, actually. (laughs) I think Bishop must have done especially well. Yeah, they must have smashed away through it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember sort of going through those matches, and I still maintain to this day, and one of my, my gripes, sorry, this is going to be my rant for this episode. (laughs) I've got a big gripe with teams who are knocked out of the Champions League dropping down to Europa League. Mm-hmm. And I, I still maintain that if that hadn't happened, um, that we probably would have gone to have won that competition that year. Wow. I genuinely think? think I yeah, I, I genuinely think we would we would have gone all the way in, in that competition and got wow. at least to the semi-finals or beyond. But hey, wasn't wasn't to be eventually. But but again, to, to get through that group stage alone. Was a was a hell of an achievement, and there was memories in there. Even if we didn't get through, you know, we were talking off air about Yoav Ziv. Just for anyone who doesn't know, Stoke were three 0 up at home against Maccabi Tel Aviv. This this Yoav Ziv, who plays for Tel Aviv, essentially gets Cameron Jerome sent off for very very little, um, and he sent off just before half time. The game is dead at that point. You know, Stoke down to ten men, but the three 0 up. That should have fizzled out at that point. If you left at half time, nothing really should have happened. But Ziv is a victim of Stoke City getting their own back in some way and, and inflicting their their strength and their might on the European teams. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Huth who pushed Ziv into or in towards the advertising hoardings off the ball, loses his boot, and Ziv just with with some fair wallop as well kicks his <laughs> his removed boot towards the linesman and that's him sent off immediately and it's just one of the funniest things it's it's amazing even even if we hadn't got through that group i'd have just taken that memory with me but no we did get through the group and to go and play valencia as you say a team that we only played because 
they got knocked out of their Champions League group. I think you have to finish third, don't you, in your group to, yeah. to qualify for the Europa League. So that was unlucky. You wonder what would have happened had we topped our group. I don't know who, I'm assuming Besiktas qualified. I don't know who they went on to play. But, you you know, you do wonder. But we drew an absolute titan. And for some Stoke fans, this is their greatest occasion, us playing Valencia, particularly at the Mestalla. Yeah, definitely. You know, the opportunity to play a team of Valencia's calibre was an amazing moment, really. But even even in some of the other teams we were speaking before, you know, Ricardo Cruyazma, for example, you know, he was playing for Besiktas oh. at the time. Um, Andrei Shevchenko, although he's the wrong side of 30 at this point, you know, he was at Danmo Kiev. So mm. a chance to actually see some of these sort of bigger European names you know, even if they were sort of on the, the wrong side of their career or in decline, it was amazing to see. Um, and then to, to play Valencia, you know, I was, I was looking at their squad just um, off air. You know, some of the players in their squad at the time, you know, it's a, a phenomenal team. So a chance to see these guys play was was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And and if I'm to hazard a guess, because I genuinely don't know, I'm, I'm relying on all FIFA knowledge here. If you've got the squad, I'm thinking of players like Mamet Tapal, Marilyn Pjanic, Michelle Soldado, maybe. I can't think who the defence would have been at that time. But they're, they're the three players that spring to mind when I think of Valencia. And I'm pretty sure that we had the opportunity of playing against these players. And that was just, you know, that's as good as playing at Manchester United or, or Liverpool or anything like that. And to have the opportunity to play an overseas team of that calibre, it's got to be one of the rarest things that we will see is as though, you know, Valencia was such a good team at that time. I know they're not particularly at the heights that they were. They're not at those heights now, but, but back then Valencia was, a, was a really big deal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so remember trip to Pau, Jordi Alba was in that squad. Oh, Jerry Mathieu, who went to play for yes. Barcelona, Miguel, Eva uh, Benega, Roberto <sighs> Salgado. You know, I'm just looking for the names here. Now this this was a good Valencia team. Yes. Oh my god, and we made a good account of ourselves with with a weakened team too. Actually, yeah, I was I was about to touch on that. Um, we did amazing to get to this point, but there is a little bit of not of controversy is the right word, but Tony Pulis did play a a somewhat weakened team um, for that second leg uh, in Spain. Every time we've gone through a bit of a dodgy run in the league where we've been slipping towards the bottom three. And he opted to do a little bit of chopping and changing and rotating. Um, so there is a, a little little bit of, of doubt over, you know, what what could we have done potentially if we put out our, our full strength squad, if that makes sense. But I do remember, you know, in that way, like we, we did give a good account of ourselves. And I remember Kenwin Jones having a, Oh, a good, opp- a good opportunity at nil nil. Mm-hmm. But again, just just the fact we got to that point and the fact that we had the chance to play some of these teams and for the fans to go and visit some of these you know stadiums and to to see European football firsthand, you know, is is an amazing thing. And actually, looking back, qualifying for that Europa League campaign, and it does stem back, of course, to being in the FA Cup final and getting promoted in the first place and whatever else have you. There was loads of things that, that stem back from that. But, you know, being in the Europa League meant that we were able to sign players like Peter Crouch, like Michael Owen, players like this who, you know, I 
Idiger Johnson, I think, was a little bit before then. But but you know, genuine like huge names in football were possible because of our European exploits. And then you think of how far we got as well. That must have uh, have attracted a certain nature of player too. And you think of the team that we were in the 2010s and doing so well in the Europa League was j- just another pivotal thing for us, another building block on the ladder. And, you know, Stoke City were turning from this underdog who didn't deserve to be in the Premier League to someone who who's established, someone who can challenge. And fans were, were hopeful, albeit we hadn't won anything. We were hopeful. And that was great after a couple of decades of misery, really. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this this is sort of one of the, the great little moments in our most in our sort of modern history um, as a European Europa League, sorry, Cup run. You know, and, and hopefully at some stage we'll we'll get an opportunity to get back to that point. Mm. Um, but it, it it did lay down the foundation blocks where we we did go out and we gave us that extra little bit of caliber and prestige where we could go in and sign you know more bigger names, I guess, if that makes sense. It's just a shame that we might have to wait a little while until we get that opportunity again. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. We might, if we get promoted this year, we're, we're back in the game, aren't we, Sam? Football <laughs> is a funny game. We know this. We got through in unusual circumstances before. There's no reason in theory why we can't do it again. But I would not be surprised if we never play European football again in my lifetime, particularly with the way that football's going these days. You never know, there might not even be a Europa League or a Champions League to qualify for if football gets its own way. So, you know, if you if you went to the Mustaya and saw Stoke City play Valencia, hell, go back a bit further. If if you were able to watch Stoke play Ajax, one of the best teams in Europe at the time, you're one of a very, very few and you're very, very lucky. I got to see the home games like like you did, Martin, for the Europa League campaign. My One of my biggest regrets in football is possibly not seeing an away game. bit young at the time. I think we've talked about this loads on the podcast previously, but it'll be a regret for me. And you got a funny story about why you didn't go as well, I think. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... So me and my dad were season ticket holders and we've sat in the same two seats at the Britannia Stadium since it's opened. Um, and our sort of thing is we we go away together. That's our sort of part of our weekend. But we didn't go to any of the away games in the Europa League because my my dad um, is not particularly fond of flying. So we, we'd sort of made a decision that we weren't going to go to away games. And then we won and we kept winning, we kept winning. And when we drew Valencia we'd sort of got to the point where I'd convinced him that if we got past Valencia, we'd then try and get through to the get away ticket for the next round or beyond. Um, but we didn't quite have that opportunity. But yeah, so uh, a fear of flying got in our way for that one. <sighs> and yet you were so close to going, you know what, maybe the next one. Now, again, it is a theme throughout this, this series, I know. Typical Stoke. Just typical, typical Stoke. And I, and I guess that's the thing. That's why we picked out these moments because they are synonymous with Stoke City. They really are. You know, not just because they're, they're really poignant, you know, they're, they're massive moments because they really do personify us in, in more ways than one. And you know what, with that, that, that closes day 18 of the 2021 Advent calendar. Once again, thank you very much, Martin, for taking me through that. Nice to have someone on the podcast who's, who's, who's been through those home legs of the Europa League with me as well. It's it's nice to actually have 
uh, a recollection of my own that I'm able to talk about for an episode because you've been carrying me throughout this this series quite a bit. But it's nice that I, that I got my own bit of input on this one, so I'm grateful for that. And of course, we'd be grateful too if if you donated towards the fundraiser that we're running alongside this advent calendar. We're running it for the Donna Louise. I know, it, you know, if you listen to this when it comes out. 18th of December, it's a week to Christmas. I can understand if people are a bit tight for money at this time of year and you simply can't. But if you are able to, we'd be very much appreciated by us both. If you are able just to spare a couple of quid, you know, that'd be great. Just just anything, just a token gesture. We've gone for 18 podcasts so far in December. We've got seven more. So yeah, just, just any token gesture that you're able to give will be absolutely fantastic. Links in the description for that as well as a link for how you can get involved with the podcast yourself. Martin's done it before. He's told his Stoke City story in the podcast. You can do the same. You can head to the yywowfiles.com. I want to interview you in the new year. There's some people lined up already. I want to interview you as well. You know, plenty more interviews to come. So I'd like you to be one of them. Head to the website and get involved. But that's it for day 18. Thank you very much for listening. And until the next one, visit Anita Fortier.